0: We're uh, continuing in our series, The Realms of Glory, and uh, so we went from the series of awe, and now we're looking at realms of glory, and uh, we talked and sang last week about the awe of the reality of heaven, right, and uh, we walked through what makes heaven so awesome and and why it should catch our attention, and uh, if you weren't here and you uh, want to hear that, you can go to our website and download that message. But when you think of the different realms that come into play during the Christmas stories, when you, when you read them, uh, one of the realms that comes into play is the earth. Uh, it is certainly one of the most interesting and prominent ones for us by the very fact that we live here, right? This is what we walk on. This is what, kind of what we know. And this planet is actually one of the most fascinating realities in all of the universe, and we're going to take a look at that this morning, why it's so. Here's the problem, though. It's so common for us. I mean, this is what we always see. This is what we, and once in a while we'll get a vista or an outlook or an experience and we'll go, <sighs> but most of the day we walk around just, yeah, it's just what is, right? If you're in Seattle and it's gray and raining, we do our curmudgeonly little stomp through the water puddles and You know, uh, we're not always singing in the rain. We're grumbling in the rain. And we can kind of just get gray and bluesed out. And we can kind of think of all the negative things about uh, what's going on down here. But this is an absolutely fascinating, fascinating planet. And uh, it is a shame not to realize how utterly unique it is. It is different than anything else out there. Uh, This picture right here, Oops, I'm not moving. Can you move me forward, Cam? Thanks, man. Anybody recognize this picture? This picture was taken. um, It's actually one of the most famous pictures ever taken. Uh, It was taken by astronaut Bill Anders aboard Apollo 8 on December twenty-fourth, 1968. So that's one week short of 49 years ago. All right? It was stunning. It was awe-inspiring. It was amazing. It was the first time the world had ever looked back on itself and saw what it looked like. I was 11 years old. Okay? So those of you nodding your head, you were there with me. Thank you, Joel. At least one of us are. <laughs> and uh, it was incredible. We had never been able to look back and see what it actually looked like. Can you move me forward again, Cam? Sorry, you're going to have to do that. This isn't This is on. All right. If you take uh, this picture, this is uh, one you can pick up right here on Google Earth. Uh, this morning, I don't want to give a science lesson, but what I do want to do is walk through what is so incredibly unique about this planet and how it ties into the Gospel story. Um. It's extraordinary in its composition. It's extraordinary in its positions. Uh, There are so many factors that play into what makes this planet so exceptional. And we'll talk about this this morning. But if you want to read further on this, I'd like to uh, give you a heads up on a book. And Kim, push me ahead again. Uh, This is a book called Privileged Planet. And it's by uh, Guillermo Gonzalez and Jay Richards. And it's a book I read about 10 years ago. And then I reread it uh, this week. Uh, for the sermon series, and uh, again got caught up in an exceptional book and lays out things I had never thought of, things like eclipses and why those are significant, things like uh, lunar ellipses and all the kind of things and planets and rays, and uh, he puts an incredible story together. So uh, you can, if you want to pick that up and read that, it's a fascinating read. So let's pray this morning and then we'll walk through what's so unique about this realm of earth. Father, thank you. I'm looking across and I just see lots of friends. I see people I know, people I spend my time with, people I spent life with. And uh, as we come, we want to be amazed and awed as we think about the fact that you came to this planet, this specific planet. We stop and it causes us to catch our breath. Capture that well this morning by the power of your Spirit and may we... um, celebrate in all of you this morning as we go through this. And we give this to you in your name. Amen. All right. All right, so the question comes up, and there we go. So what's so unique about Earth, right? Um, Why is it different, or what's what's going on with it that you would think it stands out from the other planets? Well, let's look at some things. First thing, and by the way, I'll just shoot through these Uh, You can look a lot further. But first of all, it is um, perfectly placed in our solar system, right? Uh, The degrees to which, if it were off just five degrees on most of this stuff, uh, this wouldn't exist. Uh, It's incredible. Um, We are out, for example, in our galaxy, we're in the Milky Way galaxy, and we are out on one of the spiral arms, not towards the center of the galaxy. The center of the galaxy is really dangerous. Lots of bad things go on there and uh, the things that uh, take over and blow apart and things that suck into dark holes and things that, that there's just, it's not a safe place. And so we just happen to be placed way out on one of the spiral arms uh, so that it's a safe place to be in our galaxy. Also with that, we are above the horizontal plane. So if you kind of took our galaxy and put it outside, its it's kind of like a flat pancake. And on that spiral arm, we're just up a little bit, which means that not only are we safe, but we actually are able to look at the rest of the galaxy and see the stars and things that we see all the time. If we were in that arm, we wouldn't be able to see that. And we are in a very unique solar system. Our, our solar system is unlike... Anything else there, the solar system is our sun, and then the planets that rotate around our sun. Uh, We are exactly placed in what's called the habitable zone, right? And the habitable zone is uh, where life can exist. So we are the exact right distance from the sun. If you measure, it's one AU, which means one solar distance from the sun. You know how we measure that? Because that's the distance from the earth to the sun. That's how we figured it out. And so that's one. And then everything else goes off of there. So it's not really brilliant. But, um, you know, but that's how they came up with that. And um, our sun just happens to be the exact right type of sun. There are all kinds of stars uh, in our universe. There's red dwarfs, which are um, huge. It's the most popular populous star in the universe. Uh, but they don't would not give enough uh, illumination and light and heat off of the star, so we wouldn't be able to have our planet. There are super giants, which are like 100,000 times bigger than our sun, but those are like, you know, that's way too hot, way too luminous. It's crispy critters time, right? Anything in its path, that kind of irradiate to death, so that wouldn't be really good. Our sun happens to be not just the right luminosity, but the right distance, okay? If we were 5% closer in our orbit, we would be cooking like Venus. If we were 5% farther out, we'd be freezing like Mars, okay? 5%. So you can figure that out and figure how much distance that is, but in terms of space miles, that's like nothing, right? In other words, we're literally going around at the exact distance that we'd have to go for there to be life. And uh, when we talk about the orbit, the other thing that's very unusual about planet Earth is we're in a circular orbit. We're not in an elliptical orbit. So an elliptical orbit would take you out like an oval and you come back and close and far out. And the problem with that, even with the rotation of the Earth, is when you got close, it'd be too hot. When you got farther away, it'd be too cold. And there would only be a period of time there that it would actually be okay And so uh, you'd only have a little period of time where it actually worked for us to have life and then it'd be too hot or too cold. We are in an almost perfect circular orbit, which means the variation uh, between the sun and the earth is uh, incredibly steady, incredibly unique. So that keeps us at the right distance. It enhances the ability of life because the... Uh, Orbit is uniform and it keeps temperature steady uh, within a zone that life can live. It's not too cold that it's always frozen uh, and it's not too hot that it's always boiling. And so you have what we have is a fluctuation of temperature. Now, we can complain about that fluctuation in temperature, right? And uh, we can say, ah, it's too cold, it's too hot. Um, We can move a little bit. So, for example, if you go from here to Phoenix, which a lot of us have, um, you know, it's a lot warmer down there, right? And so, just that little distance, you notice the, it, the change in temperature. Okay, but even in the extremes of temperature, it's still livable. It's habitable uh, in the planet in the way that it's set up. Right. Not only do are we in the right orbit, but we have a moon. We have one of the most amazing moons in the solar system uh, because it keeps uh, our orbit steady and stable. Uh, and, And what our moon does is a number of things. For example, as the moon goes around, it creates what we call the tidal effect. And if you watch in the world, right, there's high tide and low tide. We're familiar with that being here in the Pacific Northwest because we go out clam digging or that kind of stuff and we read the tide charts and we figure that out. If you go out to Newfoundland, they have those really high tides and low tides. And what that does is it churns all the nutrients um, that are on the beaches and rivers and stuff and it churns that all up, puts it back in the ocean and creates phytoplankton and then that feeds fish and then that feeds and then we eat the fish and then that creates all the life and diversity that we understand on this planet. If we didn't have the moon, we wouldn't have tides. We wouldn't have the Gulf Stream. We wouldn't have a lot of things that right now uh, we know, have studied, that keep the the freshness and the turning over, the, the till, if you will, uh, in our planet and keep keep it working that way. The other thing about the moon is that it, um, it helps with what's called resonance. Uh, and what that means is when the planets go around the uh, sun and they kind of line up in different places, all the planets have a different gravity pull, and so they start to get in resonance. So there's a tendency for them to lock up. And if they lock up, then what would happen is the rotation of our planet would stop due to what would be called resonance or drag. Okay? And uh, what that looks like, I want to show you this morning. So, I took this cup, and if you take this, this is the orbit, right? And uh, we did this at staff, but if you go around and it starts to go and drag, you start hearing this. Right? Okay? Planets do the same thing. As they come around each other, as they work with each other, They create this resonance, this drag that tends to lock and slow the planet down. One of the reasons we uh, continue to have the rotation of the earth is because the moon pulls us out of resonance and keeps the earth from locking up. When we talk about locking up, what we mean is that the earth could, without the moon, lock up like our moon has, right? One side of the moon always faces the sun and it just goes like this. It doesn't rotate. And so, because of our moon, we have not just a steady orbit and stable, and not only does it keep us out of that resonance so that the earth keeps rotating, but because of our moon, we have the precise speed of rotation. There's two things that really help our planet. One is the moon, as it keeps going around, it keeps it rotating, but also we have a molten core. And so, we have a a magnet chamber in that's mostly iron and nickel, and it creates uh, a spin and allows, you ever take those spinners, right? I was going to grab one, I forgot it. doesn't. take a spinner and you take it and you can feel the pull of that. That's what our inner core does, it creates that pull. And when it creates that pull, it creates a magnetic field. And when it creates that magnetic field, what that does is it protects us from a whole lot of bad things in space that come our way. For example, when the sun has solar flares and uh, things, it deflects all that. Stuff out and protects the planet uh, from that. And so our moon helps us with that. Um, if you decrease the speed of the Earth, then what will happen is it'll lose its orbital spin and then it will lock up. And you won't have uh, a rotation. So one part of the Earth would be frying hot, the other part would be in darkness and, and be icy cold, and there'd only be a little rim around the part that would be habitable. If it goes too fast and the Earth starts to speed up in its rotation, uh, again, by less than 5%, what we would have is very similar to what you have on Mars where they have dust storms that cover the entire planet. You can see pictures of Mars when it's really clear and there's uh, no dust storms at all. And then you can see uh, they have actual video and you can go on YouTube and look at it that it takes and shows the dust storm starting and then engulfs the entire planet those winds would be about 500 miles an hour. So if you've ever been in eastern Washington when the wind's blowing and you're thinking, whoa, that's really... Okay, just jack that up to 500 miles an hour and ask yourself, how easy would it be to live on this planet if there were winds of that magnitude? It wouldn't be quite so much fun, right? Not only does the moon help in all those things, but it helps with what's called the tilt of axis. The tilt of axis on our planet is about 23 degrees, and it varies about 2 degrees in there, uh, but it holds really, really steady. And so as a result of our moon, our planet is not like this going around, but it's at a tilt going around, which creates what? Our seasons. Summer, fall, winter, spring happen because we have a tilted axis. We would not have that if it was straight up. It would just rotate around, and it would always be the same. You'd be hot at the equator, freezing cold at the poles, and it would never go through the seasons as we know it, and the moon helps that lock up. And the moon's gravitational pull on Earth, so Earth has a gravitational pull on the moon. The moon has a gravitational pull on the Earth, and what that does, it takes out the wobble in the axis, so the wobble stays steady. Can you imagine if it rotated and it wobbled? Like, have you ever been in your car and it's done that, right? They're wobbling down the road. Uh, Something's really wrong. There's a shimmy in the system, right? Uh, Earth would experience the same thing. And then uh, we're also then in our solar system protected by the gas giants. Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune all act as planetary shields which protect us from incoming objects from outer space like asteroids and comets. I don't know if you've ever done this, but it's really easy to do if you take a... Um, um, not a microscope, you take a telescope. I had the wrong word. Take a telescope and look at the moon. What do you see on there? A bunch of craters, right? And that's because the moon has no atmosphere and um, the craters land on direct impact. We have an atmosphere that protects us from that, uh, but there are things flying through space all the time and the big gas giants absorb the shock. Anybody remember the name Shoemaker-Levy 9? That happened in July 1994. Uh, Pam and I got married on the 9th of July. And then on the 18th of July, Shoemaker Levy 9 crashed into uh, Jupiter. And uh, you can go online and watch the explosion impact that that had on the planet Jupiter. Those big gas giants um, protect us from things like that. Okay, so more considerations. Let's go on to the next one, Cam. Thanks. Some more considerations. We have carbon life forms. Uh, Most of you know about this, right? Carbon footprint is a big term in our world. But the fact is that carbon allows long molecule chains to form and to grow, and that becomes the link for things like DNA and RNA and all those things that are the uh, sequences as the source codes for life as we know it. Also, uh, sci-fi, right, plays with uh, a lot of other possible life forms, uh, you know, silicon-based and all these kind of things that they show. But the only life forms we find in our unif- universe are carbon-based. And so our planet is uniquely set up for life because of the carbon base that's here on the planet. The other thing is our planet has something that other planets usually don't have a lot of, that's called water. Okay? It's an incredible thing. Have you ever thought how magical water is? how incredible it is that it's, it can be a gas, it can be a liquid, it can be a solid, that as a solid, when it freezes, it's actually lighter than when it's a liquid, so that it floats to the top, so all our lakes and things uh, freeze from the top, not the bottom. If they froze from the bottom, all life would die, because it would just fill up and everything would die. It's an amazing thing. Our world is amazing in many ways, but one of the most amazing aspects is the balance between land and water. We have what we call Earth, the continents. And it's uniquely balanced uh, in, on our planet, unlike any other planet uh, that we've been able to discover. If you compare our planet to other planets or other objects in space, you'll see that Earth is blue, green, and brown. Right, Those pictures we showed before that, most of the thing, you don't see it's not... A uh, brown, red, black, or gray, when you look at other ones, that's the colors you get. But when you come around the moon, you look back at Earth, you see this beautiful blue and green and, and brown. You go, whoa. And that's because it's all um, part of how our planet has been put together. And water supports life as we know it. You can go for quite a while without eating, but you can't go very long without drinking. Right? And as true as that is for your body, that's also true for our planet. Our planet also has some amazing self-checking mechanisms, some ways to cool down. So, for example, you have that in your body. When you get hot, you start to sweat. Ladies, you glow, okay? But we start to sweat, right? And we can cool down. Our planet has some self-checking mechanisms. Clouds, 60% of the surface area of our planet is covered in clouds, okay? Okay? And what that does is the clouds take heat that comes from the sun and radiates it back into space. We also have uh, the polar ice caps, which hold water and then also radiate, reflect uh, solar energy back. We also have trees and vegetation, uh, very unique to any other planet. We have things like grass and trees and vegetation and, you know, you can look at it and say, well, yeah, some's not helpful like blackberry bushes in the Northwest and things like that. But it all adds to this incredible effect of our planet is very life-supporting where other ones aren't. The other thing we have that's really interesting on our planet is that uh, if you want to talk about being in awe, one of the things we're familiar with now is tectonic plates, right? We recognize those here in Seattle in the Northwest because of what? Earthquakes. Earthquakes. Right? And we were in, a car, in the car and we were talking about earthquakes and talked about going through the Nisqually earthquake. Some of you were here when that happened, right? And, and just went through it. And uh, they create great fear. But the reality is it's an incredible recycling system where all the carbon-based forms that happen and settle to the seafloor get subducted down, go into the mantle, get reformulated, then get brought back up to the surface and renew the whole Planet in terms of fresh stuff being brought back to the surface. Now, that takes a long time. But that's one of the reasons that our planet continues to rejuvenate itself is because of tectonic plates. They're actually really uh, helpful. Here's the other thing. We have just the right gravity. Earth's the right size and the right atmosphere that we have exactly the right amount of gravity. If we had too much gravity, we wouldn't be able to be... Uh, we wouldn't have tall trees. You wouldn't. We wouldn't be able to walk around because the pressure would be too great, and it would it would crunch us. But the other problem is is equally equally bad. If the planet were not uh, didn't have the gravity that it has, if we didn't have that molten core, then what would happen is it would be too light, and then all the atmosphere wouldn't be what it is, and it wouldn't be Earth wouldn't be able to hold an atmosphere. Atmosphere is a little bit important for life, don't you think? And so we're exactly the right that it holds an atmosphere and yet not too much gravity that it crushes things. Think about that. Think about how fine tuned that is. It's almost like somebody designed it, right? It's an amazing thing. All right. Also, with our atmosphere, we have the most amazing atmosphere in the universe. It's the right combination of oxygen, hydrogen, and helium so that it sustains life. Look it up, study it. There's nothing else out there like this in the universe. We are, right? It's right here. It's the atmosphere. We, we don't even think about it because we walk through it all the time. But it's the most amazing thing. You can't find it on any other planet. Most other planets, if you look, uh, the atmospheres are acidic or toxic to human life. And uh, you can look up the other planets and and see that. Also, a key thing is our atmosphere is transparent. And so it's just the right type of atmosphere for man to be able to look out at space and make some of these discoveries. If we had a translucent atmosphere or a totally clouded atmosphere like we do in... You'll notice they don't place a lot of observatories in Seattle. Right? There's a reason for that. Because you wouldn't get a lot of days in the year where you actually could get a look at the night sky. But because we have a a transparent atmosphere, you get great looks at the night skies, and so all kinds of scientific discoveries are made because we're able to look. And it's like it was designed so that we could see out and look and discover those things. And so we have a universe, and what I'm suggesting this morning is we have a universe, go on to the next one there, Cam. We have a universe that's fine-tuned for life and discovery. Here's a picture of uh, out there, things that we can look at and that, that we can see. All the factors mentioned this morning set us up as a race to be able to explore the universe in which we live. Okay? And... There's just one more thing. Now, I've said all that to say this. So if you fell asleep, that's okay. Wake up. Here's the important part. Why did I point all this out? There's one thing that really should catch our attention this morning when we're talking about the realm of earth, when we're talking about how unique it is, what makes the earth unique. It's this. What does Scripture say? Joy to the world. Joy to the world. Why? Why? Well, as far as we know, this is the only planet he's ever visited. As far as we know, this is the only planet that he has walked on. It's the only planet he's ate on. It's the only planet that um, he slept on. He was born here. He came, he being Jesus, the baby we're celebrating, came to this planet. Okay? He came to Earth. This most amazing and uniquely created, designed planet is the one that he came to be on. Uh, if you look at the book of Galatians and the Go to the next one. There we go. Thank you. It says this. When the fullness of time had come, this is found in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, if you want to follow there. It says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that they might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. That whole second part talks about salvation. But let me lock on a phrase here that uh, is significant. Right in the beginning of that that verse there, in verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time had come. That's an amazingly pregnant phrase. The fullness of time. And it, it's much like a pregnancy. There's a lot that goes on before a pregnancy. Right? There's attraction. There's courting. There's marriage. There's lovemaking. And, and then there's nine months. Then what happens? A baby's born. And it says just like that, in the fullness of time, and in other words, in the orb of the creation of the universe, and the orb of the creation of, our solar system, and in the orb of the creation of our world, in the fullness of time, in just the right moment, He came. And He came to bring us salvation. The Bible tells us that Jesus was the Messiah. It's the greatest rescue motion. uh, mission ever set in motion. He came to redeem you and I and many, many others. And that is why we celebrate Christmas. What's Christmas? Christ coming. Right? Christ coming. That somebody saw our plight, somebody saw our condition, in spite of the incredible miracles and uniqueness of this planet, something deeply affected it. It's called sin. And each of us has had to wrestle against that. Christ coming. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Right? The song goes off in your head as I say those words. You cannot help but sing it. He came to enter our world and into our lives. One of the most basic prayers a person could pray is this. Lord Jesus, I'd like to let you into my world into my heart. As you've come into our world, I'd like to invite you into my world. You've come to that which you have made. John 1 tells us, He created all this that we see. You've come into that which you've made, which includes me, and includes you. You see, here's the point this morning. He's still visiting our planet. He's still here. He's still coming. He's still redeeming. He's still looking. He's still searching for those that He can save. Looking for those who will acknowledge Him as Lord and Savior. Why? Because He has great plans for this planet. Right? He had great plans when He formed it. He had great plans when He visited it. But He has great plans to redeem it. He's going to renew the whole planet. And that's why we say, indeed, this is a very privileged planet. And we are very privileged to live on it. And we forget that very easily. We take it as a right, not as a gift. So as you come into Christmas, think about heaven, but also think about how incredible this planet is and what a privilege it is to be able to live on it, and what a privilege it is to know the one who came to visit it, the one who created it, and gave the reason for joy during the Christmas season. Will you join me in prayer? Father, I'm, I'm hoping this connected for my friends and that we will walk outside and literally look at this place differently, that a spirit of thank you will erupt in our hearts. Not just for what you created because we're in awe of that, but the fact that this is the one planet you came to visit. It's the one place Scripture talks about that you invested in. And you have a tremendous investment in this planet. And we seek you that uh, we would cooperate with that investment. Lord, your son came as a baby. And we're thrilled. We rejoice in that. We celebrate that. May we also come under authority to that. May we come under your leadership of that. As we look at this planet, this solar system, this universe, Lord, if it's created, then whoever created it is literally out of this world. Far beyond anything we can grasp. That's you. We apologize for reducing you down to our size and then blowing you off. May we be in awe of You. And we ask this in Your name. Amen.